Hello, my name is Anthony Hudson and welcome to my podcast, The Masterminds. Please join me as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports. From top football managers, club chairmen, sports psychologists and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture and leadership. Next up, please welcome Mr. Darren McAntony, entrepreneur, author, and for the last 13 or so years, successful owner, chairman of Peterborough United Football Club. Mr. Chairman, firstly, sure. it's a real pleasure to get you here. I appreciate your time. No worries. Uh, and this is, your, this is your hometown. Live in Orlando. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've just, just been away in Seattle at an NFL game. Absolutely. So uh, and I'm off to Chicago. And I, I travel a lot, but my family are based here. My right. kids are in school. My wife lives here. I go over to the posh probably once every five weeks. I spend the whole of August in England. I spend the whole of January in England. Was there two key times during the season for us. So I put a lot of work into the football club. You know, like before I've come to you, and it was the reason I was kind of not running late, but I got here on time. I was on the phone for 45 minutes, you know what I mean, with the manager, obviously my director of football, just talking about things that are happening in the next couple of months, do you right. know what I mean? So that went longer than I thought it would be. So I'd probably spend an average three hours a day when I'm in Orlando on football-related stuff to do with Peter United Football Club. Tell, tell me a, really briefly about mm. your career because sure. it's incredibly inspiring. It's sure. a huge success, yeah. success in business and in yeah. football. Yeah. How did you become the chairman of Peterborough for so many years? Um, I, it's funny. Yesterday I was getting like a, a cinema room done in my house, and the two guys were delivering the seats. You know, and they're like, "Geez, you got a lovely house. You're very young." And they were like, well, "You know, what's the secret?" To, you know, forget all that sales guru shit. And every, you know, I said to these guys, "Hard work. I worked harder than everyone else." I said, "You know, I might be at home at eleven in the morning at my house, and you know, chilling, working, doing whatever. I can afford to do that because in my twenties. And you know, my early thirties, I worked seven days a week, and probably fifty out of fifty-two weekends I was traveling, constantly on it. And um, when I was selling houses and doing well in real estate, you know, I was just a machine, and it was just like that work ethic of, there was no finish line. It was like I want more, I want more, and and the more success you have, the greedier you get for it. It's like being a manager, you know, you you win a league, you win a trophy, you want more, you want to go to a bigger club, you want to go to a different league, you know, it's it's. Once you get that buzz and the taste and, and, and you're hungry for it, it, it continues. The minute you get stale, you climb to the top of the mountain. How many times can you keep going back to the top of the mountain? So if you get stale, you suddenly get lazy. And lazy is a bit like a disease. And that can happen. It's happened How to us have all. you not got lazy? I probably have. I, I'm not perfect. I probably have yeah. because I dominated real estate in my 20s in a very tough industry, overseas real estate from Spain where I grew up. And I did that. I started at like 23. And I got, um, and I, I set my own business up with like five grand, the last five grand I had in the world. And I just went from there and there and there. And then all I wanted to do was be number one. Then I got to number one. I wanted to like branch out all over the world. And we did that in 20 countries. Then I wanted to have toys. I wanted a Ferrari. I wanted to fly in private jets. I wanted a, you know, nice jewelry for my wife, a nice home, all that shit that comes with ego and success. And, and I went and did all that. Because those things sometimes for you, when you're in sales, it's like a barometer of how well you're doing. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to lie. And people will go, that's arrogant. And did it, did it, did it. I don't buy into that. No, I think if you want wrong. nice things, go get nice yeah, things. If I you deserve them, go buy them. Because how else can you reward yourself? What else is indicative of how well you're doing? But to go out and spoil yourself. And sometimes people don't stop for a minute and enjoy it. And they don't spoil themselves. And you have to. And I basically did really, really well. 
And one of the things on my list, I do a list like you have there every January, every year I do a list of things for the year ahead I want to achieve. And one year I put down there, I want to buy a sports uh, football club. Because I was doing so well in real estate, the arrogant in me thought, well, yeah, I can do this in sports. So I'm going to buy a football club. Big Liverpool fan. I didn't quite have the 400 million to buy Liverpool. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay. Just, what? just off the back of that, sure. so you make your list and you say, I want to get a sports team. Yeah, do, I you, do, buy do you have a plan? To, do you have a strategy of how you can do it? 100%. So I'm, I'm look, I'm, I've got the highest IQ. Some people would say well, he's not the smartest Neither guy in the I. room. You see this setup, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I am is I, I will outgraft you for anything. Do you know what I mean? I don't care how hard you work, I'll work harder. And that's going to get me a certain way there. And I'm going to reach for the stars. And I mightn't get to the stars, but if I get close enough, I've done okay. So I wrote down a sports team. And then what I then do is when I know I'm in a position to execute that, I'll then put a plan together. So I put down football club. Couldn't buy Liverpool. So I went out and thought, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I did with my business. With my real estate business, when I was a nobody, I basically went out and recruited young and hungry people. I didn't want experienced salespeople. I didn't want people who'd worked in the business for years and years and years. I didn't want shit habits, bad habits, stale. I wanted fresh. I wanted young people that would listen to me that I could train, and I could train hardcore. And I went out and did that, and I took up the waifs, the strays, the, the, you know, the people nobody else wanted, and I took them, and I trained them hard, and I turned them into successful people. That's what I did with my business. Then I took risks, you know, probably big risks and some calculated risks, did things that no one else would think to do and gone, I see something people don't, I'm gonna do that. So I did lots of that with my business. Some would say, well, you got lucky, some would say, whatever. So then I bought a football club, I thought, what can I do with a club in League Two? I buy in League Two or non-league, I'm gonna strip the fucker and build it back up. I'm gonna take out all the bad habits that were there before, no disrespect to who's there before. And what I'm gonna do is, and I thought about this really simply, because I'm a real analytical and stats freak. You know, when I was doing my business, I, I could tell you what were the statistical chances of, of 10 people coming out to look at property. I would know that from those 10 people, we would get 8.3 sales. From those 8.3 sales, we would generate $158,000. I could tell you the efficiency per sale, per everything, per country we were in, because I was just stats driven. That's just the way I was, very quirky in that way. So I thought in football, and before you start talking about Brentford and all these clubs do the analytics, I was doing this at the start. So what I did was I wrote down and said, what if I, in League Two, if I had a fresh page with South Peterborough, and I went in there, what if I went out and I did this? I recruited players only between the age of 18 to 22, right? And I went out and I bought the best players in each position at the league below League Two. So I took the best right back in non-league, the best left back in non-league, the best right winger, the best, I mean the best. So you've got a, a league of 20 teams. And you've got, I don't know, 500 players in that league. So I went out and I got the best 11 players out of 500. Would those 11 players be good enough to step up one league to league two? They're the best of the best. They should be, right? Yeah, of course. Right. And if they match in that age demographic, and I bring them in, and I put on their contracts they have to live within 20 miles of Peterborough, what would happen with all those lads together? They will grow up together. If I put them all on three and four year contracts, because that will protect my asset if I have to go and buy them, and I've got value then in selling them, would they grow up together, succeed together, win together, go through brick walls together, you know, no matter what. So I went out and started doing that. I went into Peterborough, they had 20 odd players on their books. Most of them had 12 month contracts. The average age of the squad was 31. Um, it was dad's army. Um, I basically got rid of most of them. Um, Keith Alexander, God bless, rest his soul, he's, he's now passed, he was a great manager. Barry had hired him there before I came in. He was uncomfortable with what I wanted to do. You know, I had a transfer meetings with Keith and said, look, we're going to go and spend a million on a striker. 
you know, in January, and he basically like looked at me like because he was used to spending five hundred quid on players. Um, but he had great knowledge of the game, and I gave him a chance. And then we lost eight in a row, and I, being me, you know, young and impulsive, lost my shit. I was on holiday in the Bahamas, and I rang Barry and I said, "He's got to go." And you know, I'd never hired him, so Barry was like, "Fair enough. What do you want?" And I said, "To marry up my policy, my plan, I need a manager without bad habits. I need a manager who hasn't been around forever." You know, you could call me an ageist, really. You know, I'm mean, young and hungry. I don't want older people. I was like 29, 30. So Barry, I said, put together a list of people. So Barry came back to me, a list of people. And one of them was Darren Ferguson, who was a coach, player coach at Wrexham at the time. So I was like, that kind of looks a bit, you know, because Alex Ferguson and whatever else were kind of buying the Kool-Aid and that's where we're bringing him in. And Barry's like, no, 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 no. He was a great midfield player, great lower league player as well. He's doing his coaching badges. He's exactly what you'd want to do. Interview with him. I said, okay, fine. So I interviewed with him on the phone. We spoke for a couple of hours. I told him what I wanted to do, just like I was speaking to you here saying, this is what I want the club to do. This is the philosophy, this is the recruitment. And by the way, I want champagne football. Is that too much to ask? You know, and that's what I said on the phone. I want goals, I want entertainment, I want fun. And I said, I want everyone talking about us, like we're the, the next big thing. Because I always believe hype is very important in marketing. Because if you get enough people to believe it, you'll start believing it. And it's what I did in real estate. We're the biggest, we're the biggest, we're the biggest. We weren't the biggest. But soon enough, we were the biggest. I'd meet people, sell a house. I couldn't put petrol in my car. But I'd open the back of the car and show them my trophy collection. That's how good I was in real estate sales. Do you know what I mean? So they had this image that I was this top, top sales guy. I'm a dollar to my name. So again, it, it's, it's making people buy into it and believe it. So I wanted to do it with players. I wanted to do it with the manager. And he bought all that in the phone. And he asked some really, really good questions. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like... It was almost like he wasn't begging for the job. He was very good. He was very analytical. He wanted to meet me. He said, look, I can't take the job without meeting you. And I said, well, that's tough fucking luck because I'm not flying back to England for a while. So if you want the job, you're going to have to take it over the phone. So at that stage, I think his dad or whoever said to him, don't be daft, take the job. It's a very good job. So he joined and straight away it worked because he knew, look, Darren's got a real good philosophy to play football. He plays the right way. He wants to play the right way. He likes to score goals. He likes to dominate games, whether that's a DNA thing or whatever else. And, and again, sometimes his dad will overshadow because of who he is, and that's not fair because within his own right, he's a superb manager. So it worked. Straight away, we went, you know, he joined, I think, in the January. The following season, we flew up in League Two. We were, I think we finished second. Um, but again, up until Christmas, it was patchy. Because we brought a lot of these young players in, and like you know, we the, the the original trinity: George Boyd, Mikhail Smith, and McLean were the most feared front three in, in the lower leagues. And we, I spent I think four hundred grand on them collectively. We bought all three from you non-league. From Stilly, didn't you, John Stilly? Yes, Stilly was great, yeah, yeah, brilliant recruit. Yeah. So the trinity came in and basically terrorised the lower leagues. Darren got them playing. Like we were, we'd win four 0 and then lose two 0 We'd 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 lose to Macclesfield. We'd lose to Mansfield. You know we. We were good, we weren't good. We were inconsistent. And I remember speaking to the guy for Christmas time and saying, listen, are we getting the party started? What are we doing here? You know, we should be winning this league. And we were, I think, ninth. I'm like, you know, you need to get together and the team need to get together. So, you know, this is your first test as a young manager. You've got all the ingredients. You've got a chairman with a checkbook that's backing you. You know, what more do you want? You know, at the time we were training on like a car park where, you know, basically we didn't have a training field, you know? Anyway, we went on a run and we won 16 in a row. 16 out of 17, we went top of the league. Then we ended up finishing second by like a point. So we got promoted. And then the following season, 
I took Darren and all the staff out to the Bahamas on a beano at the end of the season when we got promoted from League Two. Because you got to reward success, and you know you got to give. You can hammer a manager, but you have to credit them too. Do you know what I mean? There's no harm in hammering a manager, but you got to pick the right time to hammer a manager and when. You know, but you also have to lift them. You know what I mean? So I might turn around and say, you know, Anthony, for fuck's sake, like, fuck, what were you thinking? You know, we're one nil up. You know, and you're bringing on two defenders and taking off two strikers because you're scared shitless. They've equalised. You've choked. You've choked, Anthony. Why the fuck have you choked? Why don't you bring a quick roadrunner on and kill the game off and terrify them? You know, what, 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 what are you doing? So I might say that to you, and you might be fucking prick and whatever else. But then you might think, well, actually, is he right or is he wrong? You know, I've, I've got to think about what I did here. You know, the gaffer's very good like that. He will, he will take it, and he'll think about it. But when he was younger, he didn't. We had fucking rows. Like, we, we, at one stage, I smashed him through the doors of my office. We were pulled apart, you know what I mean? And I, you know, I'll tell you that in a second. But the great thing about me and him were, we could go hot, I mean, really hot, but we'd be forgotten an hour later. There's no grudges, there's no problem. And sometimes you have to clear the air. You know, the worst thing a manager can do, particularly a young manager, is to, is to bury their head in the sand and, yeah. and not take the chairman's call, not want to communicate yeah. with the chairman, not want to communicate. You go down that route, you are fucked. You're yeah. dead man walking. You know, it's the worst thing you can do. So I remember saying to him in the Bahamas, there was, there was Darren, there was Rooster, there was Andy Dibble, there was our, our coaching team, and there was Barry in his, in his G-rope line by the pool getting a tan, you know? And we, we, we were in this little bungalow by the pool, Cabana, and we had the, the fixtures out. And all, you know, League, League One, and there's like Leicester, there's Sheffield Wednesday, there's Leeds, there's Sheffield United, there's like, I mean, massive clubs in League One. So they're all looking at it, and everyone's going, you know, well, what, what are we thinking? And I said, what are we thinking? We win the league. And they all just turned around and went, you fucking bonkers, chairman. I said, why would I be bonkers? Fucking top ten. I mean, look at that league. I said, no, no, no. I said, gentlemen, momentum. Momentum in football is everything. You've just battered League Two. You've got a team with the average age of 23. Uh, these players will get better. And I said, and you've got an attack that will frighten the life out of anyone. We need a few additions, but we got to be getting promoted from this league. So like Barry's like, oh, Jay, you're your fucking mind, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, that's the mandate. So if you're thinking about finishing ninth, you may as well stay on the beach. So, you know, it was set from then. And I remember we started that season, we lost three out of the first four games. And our next three games were Leeds, MK Dons, and Walsall away. They were like tough games, you know, coming up. And we hadn't done well. And I did something I haven't done, you know, probably since. I'd been young and impulsive. I rang the gaffer. And, um, and I said, look, you you got to win the next three games and you're gone. And he kind of like, say that again. I said, you heard what I said. So anyway, we had a row. He hung up. And Barry told me, you know, Barry was in the room at the time with him in England. And the gaffer went outside. And I think obviously he rang his dad and rang his family and whatever else. He was like, you know, I think he wanted at that stage, like, you can't put me under that kind of pressure. You know, win the next three. I've just won promotion from League Two. It's the start of the season. That was me being young and impulsive, and that was unfair what I did. But we won the next three games. We beat Leeds 2 0. We beat MK Dons 2 1 with a 90 minute winner. There's a little strategy. And we beat yeah. Walsall. Sometimes reverse psychology. Sometimes you have to shake the tree. Sometimes you have to get the manager's blood flowing. Sometimes you've got to motivate him by terrifying the fucking life out of him and see how he reacts. My first head coaching job was 27, and I know as, as I've grown as a man yep. in my job, yep. my view about management has changed Cert right. with certain things, and I've, I view things differently. So you've given a couple of examples there. Is that the same with you? Like as, you've, as you've grown yeah. as a chairman, yeah. is there, thing, what, yeah, I think is there any maturity. significant things? Of? I, I think, yeah. I mean, look, one thing people probably say about me is sometimes I've been too impulsive and reactive, you know, too quickly. And sometimes you have to 
calm yourself down and it's not as bad as it seems. Sometimes, you know, in football, you lose a game of football, you think you're never going to win another game. Or sometimes you think when you win a game of football, you're never going to lose another game. Um, so it's important not to get too ahead of yourself. And it's important to forget the results of a game and look at the details in between. Look at... Take the emotion out. Take the emotion out of it and go, right, for example, are we, are we losing football games but we're creating 19 chances a game? Are we got 58% possession but we're not winning games, we're losing games? Is it tight? Is it unlucky? Or can you see a way where the manager's actually doing a good job? Players are improving but the results aren't happening. So why aren't the results happening? Or a centre forward's not putting up, you know, the chances being created, but they're not converting. So can you always blame a manager for that? Not necessarily. You know, you would say, okay, get in the training ground and make them better strikers. What's the atmosphere like around the club? Take the smell test. Get down to, I don't go to the training ground a lot, but when I do go, I talk to the chef, talk to the players, talk to, smell what it's like around there. Is there a, a fear around the place? Is there a negativity around the place? Is there an atmosphere around the place? Are the boys in a good place, the players? Are they grouping off into mini groups away from each other? Is there a cohesiveness? There are things you can see that are going on at a football club. So when you sack a manager, it might necessarily be results driven. It might be something else. Is your philosophy being implemented? Is the manager going, yeah, 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 when he interviews for the job, and then he's going and doing his own shit when he takes the job? That's happened to me. You know, they give you the lip service yeah. in an interview, and then the first thing they do is they go totally away from everything you spoke about when you hired them. So. You look at all those things, and over the years, of course, the, the smell test, I've learned lots more about it. I can, I can sense and smell when a manager, there's blood out there. I can sense and smell when a dressing room maybe isn't having a manager. Do you know what I mean? You can see it. I can, I can see a manager sometimes, and this sounds horrible. Is that, is that intuition? or you, It's intuition yeah. now. I, and this sounds horrible, I'm about to say. I sometimes know when a manager needs to put out of his misery. And unfortunately, that does happen. And Barry said it once when he met Darren, and he's always said it to anyone, is... You're a manager, and here's the thing about being a manager. You are 1 million percent going to get sacked. Because that's just the industry. You are going to get sacked, and probably multiple times. <laughs> that's the mad business you decided to go into. Do you know what I mean? And, and in a football league, there's 72 jobs. You know, you're going to get sacked. So it's, it's how you react from it. It's how you learn from it. It's how you, you know, evolve from it. All those things. So, yeah, I, I, over the years, so many things I've learned and picked up on, and body language and everything. So you mentioned there about you've had a couple of managers that come in and just gone, yeah, 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 and they've gone out and done their own thing. Yeah, yeah lip what, service. What, what I want to talk without, I don't want to name any names. No, 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 of course. What I'm curious about, I I've, believe I've got a good understanding of the philosophy of your club. Sure. You want to play good football. Yep. As you said, champagne football. Yep. I think you've got a real belief in youth. Yep. Bringing the youth, the Big academy time. players through. Big time. Um, these are all significant things that you about your club. But is that the main thing for you no the, the, look the main thing for us has always been growth so you always want to do better than the season before you know we want to entertain our fans because you want to grow your home fan base we want to have a philosophy that's youth, youthful in other words we don't have a lot of journeymen veterans in the team I understand you need to have experience we have Beavers who's 29 and we have George Boyd who's 32 on our team so they're the two oldest players the rest of our squad the average age is like 22 so it's very young um, I want my manager to understand that we as a club recruit he doesn't recruit the players. We recruit, because he's going to come and go. That's what happens with management. When I say we recruit, myself, Barry, and the manager will talk about what we need to recruit, and we will nominate the players that we're going to go and recruit. So the manager's not the only person bringing players into the club. It's a collective effort for the club. So, so before that, are you selecting a manager that fits your philosophy? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, they have to. 
And I want to know how they're going to play. You know, if I've got a manager who wants to come in and play 4-5-1 and it's counter-attacking football with a philosophy from Italy of clean sheets and 1-0 and whatever else, I'm not interested. Have you, have you ever gone away from your philosophy? Yes. Because yes. there's certain contexts where you, yes. it's desperation. Yes. Steve so, Evans. So you've, got, you've gone away, and that's what, just to get results? Or? I, we went away from it because we were going down the other route. We had Grant McCann, good young manager I brought through from, the, from being a player to the youth team to being assistant. Yeah, no, to being right. Managed. yeah right. listen. And I was speaking to Grant the other day, and you know we had a fallout last year when he was at Doncaster, but we're okay now. He's at Hull, um, but I brought Grant through. I gave him two years, and I gave him four transfer windows, and I think we finished ninth and eighth and whatever. And I was getting frustrated. We were up there, and then we weren't up there. And a few, and he, and he plays a nice style of football. And there was a few games just towards the end of us. We didn't lose a lot of games. It was like a lot of draws, and we were lucky to get draws. And we just, and I was kind of at that stage. I just, I mean, Grant were close. We spoke every day. We we drive to games together. And it was a real tough one for me to do, but I was at the stage where it was like, I've been in League One four or five years, I, I want to get back to the Championship. And I don't, he's had four transfer windows, and I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling this team is going to get promoted. So I made the decision to change. And I went out and I got somebody who's a promotion specialist, who's Steve Evans. He is. Steve Evans yeah. is a winner, he's a promotional specialist. Yeah. There's lots of things to dislike about him, but if you look at his record, there's lots of things to like yeah. about him. Yeah. So I went out there and I recruited him. And Steve had chased a job for a long time. Texting me, stalking me, coming to games because he's based locally. So we went and recruited him. But it was also on a proviso that Steve would buy into what the club does recruitment wise, buy into that. We know he has a certain way of playing, but we've got to do at home. We've got to entertain at home. The big asset test in the first test was the recruitment. Me and him clashed on lots of the players we wanted to bring in. He wanted to bring in certain type of players, journeymen, you know, physical, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to go after the younger players and you know whatever else there was a big clash on that we compromised on a lot I got to recruit the Dembele's and the Ivan Tonys of the world he got to recruit a lot of Scottish players so and, and we did we brought in like four or five Scottish players and I'll be really honest they turned out to be a disaster for us they were expensive and they weren't as productive as we thought they'd be um, he got us up there we were top of the league then we were in the top six but football was horrible I think we won six home games the whole of last season um, our, we were, it was real counter-attacking football Eventually, teams suss you out. You can get away with that for so long, and then they eventually suss you out and nullify that. And when they nullify that, you drop. We dropped from first down to seventh, then got back to sixth with a draw. I just didn't see it. I wasn't enjoying it. My partners weren't enjoying it either. We were playing in the Checker Trade Trophy. We wanted to win it. This is a day out at Wembley. We've won it before. It's a great, you know, trophies are always great yeah. to claim. And a lot of people don't take it seriously. But when you get to the later rounds, you start taking it seriously. And we were playing in the quarterfinals versus Portsmouth. And he knew how important it was to us as owners that we wanted. We were two games from Wembley. You know, there's nothing beats going to Wembley. I've been to Wembley. I've won trophies at Wembley. It's a phenomenal feeling. And he dropped two of our best players for that game. And we lost the game, Portsmouth. And it was a game we should have won. And it was after that, the partners were with me on that. They were just like, nah, it's, he's got to go. You know, because he knew how important it was. You know, he, and, and, and me and him probably at that stage weren't getting on as well as we should have been. So in the end, we drew against Charlton at home. I'd already met Darren two days before, you know, to come in and steer the ship. And I bombed Steve out. And uh, so there was me taking a gamble. So that, was a, that was a clash of philosophy. Clash of, clash of philosophy of minds, personalities, everything. Um, yeah, but he, he, that doesn't mean he's not a good manager. He's yeah. a good manager. He's just not my he's kind of manager. Record, yeah. He's got a great record. Yeah. He's yeah. just not my kind of manager. So um, a lot of stuff on the sidelines to shouting and screaming. I'd go to away games. I was nearly assaulted at Charlton. 
you know, I had a problem with Luton away. You know, there were a lot of things because he he's one of them people that provokes a lot of stuff on the on the on the side of pitches with fans, with managers, with referees. That that also played a big part in it. If I'm really honest, a big part in it. I'm curious, Ian. And sure. it's, it's great to be able to ask you this question. I've been in uh, America for a little while now. Since I've been out, I've been to watch American football teams, basketball yep. teams, and there's such a different mindset mm-hmm. towards building teams sure. and coaches. I was with an American football team recently and, and I was with the sporting director and I was asking him about pre- the, the coach is earning millions and he's been there for a couple of years and I said is the coach under pressure like if he loses a few games is there, is there media yeah. pressure and he was like there's big pressure here and he said to me he said if the coach goes and has a losing season i.e. doesn't win a game next year there'll be pressure on him and I'm thinking that's just not pressure so but, but they get time it, why do you think it's different I don't know I went to Seattle at the weekend and went to see the Seahawks and 80,000 people show up to those games when they lose even if your team's shit they still show up so it's also different for the fans because fans in England aren't like that you know if we're not winning a yeah, Peter yeah. the fans don't show up so I guess it's the same question why, why is it different over here to there I guess the way it's set up here with the draft the whole system and whatever else is that if you have a shit season the good news is you're going to get the best pick of the you've players you've got a chance you? you've got a chance do you know what I mean so and I, I don't know I'm a winner if you say to me you know oh you know, you're having a bad season but I won't sleep for a year you know I want to win yeah. I, I want to be successful yeah we're Peterborough we're not Liverpool we're not Real Madrid but we still want to do well within our own league you know what I mean so the the, the agenda for us every year is promotion it's always to do better than the previous year um, I don't know why it's different I don't know why they're not more ruthless you know in, in America with some of the sports yeah. I see some of the MLS results you know I've seen the Orlando manager here and I nearly bought the, the Orlando MLS before it became an MLS franchise and uh you know, they've lost a lot of games and they, they just seem to get away with it. You know, I, I, I really don't know the answer why the mindset's different. I guess there's no relegation. There's no fear of failure. There's no financial repercussion for being shit. So I guess there's less pressure. In our league, you know, if you don't have a good season, you go down. Whether it be the Premier League or the, and there's a yeah. financial ramification. Yeah. That's a big part. In the NFL, there's no financial ramification or punishment for you failing. Yeah. So they almost reward failure. <laughs> because not only do you get the same money, you now get the pick of the best players. So I guess, as a chairman, I'm not really under pressure. So, all right, Anthony, you had a shit season. No problems. We still made the same money. Now we can go out and get the best striker in the draft. Let's go again next year. Yeah. Do you know what I feel as well? There's definitely, when you sit in the crowds, you was at Seattle, yep. Seattle last week. When you sit in the crowds, I've been to games now, and it's just not the same. No. It, it doesn't, the, 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 the t- I'm not saying they're not passionate. They're very sure. passionate about their sports. But there's, there's also many other things they've got in their lives to do because it's such an amazing country. Yeah. I, mean, I was in Colorado, they yeah. got the skiing at the weekend. Yeah. There's so many different things where in, back in England, they've just got their, it's just, it's, there's more passion it's for their team. It's a religion. Yeah. It is. It, you know, here you've got your baseball, your NFL. You know, I, I'm amazed when you see them at the games. You know what I mean? It's, it's just very different. They're not aggressive. They support the team, but I mean, you go to an English yeah. game and Completely you know, different. fucking hell, yeah. it, it yeah. is a different atmosphere, yeah. different tone. So, yeah, what, what, why didn't it work for you here? So what happened? Looking back now, yeah, and I'll tell you the truth after you tell me in yeah, your yeah. opinion what happened. Well, probably a couple of things. Listen, there were some things I did very well, there were some, and there were some things I think, we talked about it before we started, sure. probably complicated. Okay. Probably went in there with, uh, went in there too fast, too strong with a, a certain style of play and, and how I wanted to do things. Okay. And we probably, it, it was probably too quick, too soon. Okay. I think I probably complicated it for some of the Did players. you manage upwards well? Very well, yeah, right? Very well, because I, I think if I hadn't have done that, I'd probably probably Go left sooner. sooner. Right, gotcha. Um, but 
on the other side of that, it was it was an unbelievable experience because it was a real transition mm-hmm. period. I was brought in to change the style of play and change yeah. the culture. We did that, then and we changed the whole squad. And okay. It was just too much change too soon. Okay. The significant thing is I didn't know the league. Okay. I didn't know him, and it took me three or four months to realise that actually in this league you need certain attributes in the squad. Okay. Did you do your your due diligence before? Because you um, look like the type of guy who would like spend yeah, a lot of time analysing. Without going into too much detail, sure. I'd, I'd come from international football. Mm-hmm. Now, in international football, in a sim- simple form, if you want to change the style of play or change the culture, it's, it's a lot easier because when you pick 23 players for a window, if you're not going to do what I want you to do... You're not in the next squad. You're not in the squad. It's no. easy. So you're not so, influenced or being negative or any of that crap that goes with it. Yeah. 100%. So it's quicker to build a culture. Mm-hmm. It's quicker to build a style of play because you can make decisions. You're yeah. gone. You're in. And, and I, so I, if you'd come from Yeovil in non-league and done really well from Yeovil and yeah. got that job in Colorado, yeah. do you think it would have been different? I, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because I realised after six months... I've made some significant decisions on yeah. players, and now I've now I've got to manage the rest of the squad. Mm-hmm. And so there was who did your recruitment with you? So we had a sporting director and we had a, a recruitment team. Right. Were they American? Our sporting director was Irish. We had two or three American scouts with. And were they good enough? Because you're new to it all. Yeah. So yeah. you're walking into a room and going, look, I need 14 players. I want the best winger from here and there, and but yeah, I don't yeah. know the league. I yeah, don't yeah. know the college system. Yeah. You know? Look, I think in my in my second season, we went, we bought a lot more MLS players with MLS yeah. experience, and yeah. it was far better. Yeah. So these are the things I look back, and it, it was a big lesson. How did they um, sack you? Give me the rundown. Dark day in your life, what did they do? I knew it was coming because the, the morning I got the text, it was before training. I never normally get a text that early. Chairman yeah. or whoever wants to see it. Yeah, sporting director's <laughs> So I ended up, and, it's, and it was a long walk up because you have to walk around right. the stadium up right. to the, the sporting director's office. And to be fair, look, I, I, I have a great relationship with the sporting director, yeah. and I think he, I think it was tougher for him to sack me. Right. And I walked in, I just saw in his face. Did he warn you before that you needed to win a game? There was there any specific like, no, point? Uh, look, uh, Anthony, no. we've got two games coming up. I should have known straight away. No, I need it's to do what's business. right. I need to do what's right. It's a results right. business. But but we had this idea of building something that sure. was going to take time and all this. We have to win games also. 100%, and some managers forget 100%, 100%. that. And, and, and would you rather have been told like what I did with Dan? said, look, you need to win the next two games, Anthony. Yeah, I think that would have been a lot better. Is that more honest and brutal? Well, at least, you, yeah, hundred like, percent. And then and then and then you do exactly what you need to do yeah. to get a result in the short term. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm far better for it. It's has like, it damaged your career? No, it hasn't. No. Okay. No. It's enhanced it. Perception-wise, it's not done me any favours. Sure. But who I am as a person today, the the benefit I'll gain as a manager and yeah. as a coach is far greater. I've done a lot of digging, a lot mm-hmm. of analysis. Um, Too much? I look at you and I go, you lost that job. Right now, yeah. you should be in England. Yeah. You should be coaching and managing straight yeah. away. You know, And yeah. I get what you're saying. It's yeah. great to go off and spend time. And Darren's done the same. Darren went to Spain, went to Italy, went to Pep Guardiola. Because obviously, his dad is. He can get into clubs who he's gone and seen. You know, when I went and met him recently... I said, what have you been up to for like nine months? He's like, I needed a break, blah, 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 and I did this, but now I need to get back in. Because you're forgotten very quickly in football. You know, and I'd always say to a young manager, young coach, don't fucking hang around. Yeah. Get back in as quick as you can. Even if it is taking a coaching role, even if it is running a youth for a football club, because your talent will rise eventually again and you'll get an opportunity. Don't hang about. Do you know what I mean? Now, I don't know your family circumstances. Yeah, yeah. You might like living in the States or, yeah. or whatever else, but... What's the plan for you? Are you going to get back to the UK? Are you going to another international yeah, yeah. gig? What, yeah. what, what what's it going to be? Well, look, my, my family are in England. It's, yeah. it's either England or America. Yeah. That's that's where I'm focused. My my career so far, 
moved in different kinds, yeah. not not through planning, but I need to focus on being in one place and building there. So so that's where I need to be. I want to be with the right club, yeah. right chairman, yeah. chance to do well. Yeah, 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 that's what's that. important to me. Yeah. But what I've learned in the last six months, and when I say analysis, I've, I've, I've done my reflection on the job. I know, yeah. I know what I did well, what I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to improve on. I've, I've been a coach in my development. I've looked up to certain managers, sure. especially Bielsa as an example. I've been everywhere to visit him. Yeah. Marseille, Spain, been to his house in Argentina, gotcha. spent a few days there. I learned Spanish. I'm, I'm doing five lessons of Spanish a week, uh, five uh, days a week of Spanish now in, in, in whilst I'm out. Like, but I, but I, I started learning Spanish so I could understand his press conferences. Yeah. So as a young coach, as I say, I was 27 mm-hmm. when I started, he has a certain way with his team. Sure. Very tact, unbelievable style of play. Coaching is Did you incredible. watch the Leeds documentary on Netflix? Yeah, unbelievable. Very good. Rightly or wrongly, he doesn't have a, a close relationship with his players. Sure. Now, so he's not maybe a man manager, no. but he's a tactical genius. A tactical genius. Right, but the problem with, and I love how he has Leeds playing. My massive negative with him is the injuries and what happens at the end of the season. If you look at season one at Leeds and now again it's starting, to, you know, his, a lot of his best players are injured all the time. Why were they injured all the time? Because of that high intensity, yeah. five days a week, nine hours a day training. You know, our team come in for three hours a day of that training. You suddenly go in and you take players from three hours a day to seven hours a day, change everything, their diet, strip that extra five pounds off them. What's going to happen to their body? It breaks down eventually when you marry it up with high pressing football. Key players, and they weren't freak injuries, they were muscle injuries. Muscle injuries are your fault. You say to the sports science team, we keep getting muscle injuries, it's on you. You've got the facilities, you've got the staff, it's on you. You're overdoing it with some of the players. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen to Leeds again this year. But what happens if it happens again? What's your belief in Bielsa's methods? Do you know what I mean? What would you think about that? I watch from a distance. I don't know the detail of actually what's gone on there. Sure. But I I do believe that someone that analyses phenomenal what he does analysis. to that degree, he must figure this out. He must figure this out. He must be. On I technical. think I think what he tries to do is I think the Bielsa's of the world need to be almost promoted by March, because if it goes deep into April and May. It's, it's an issue. I used to worry as a Liverpool fan that Klopp was the same, but he's changed. In fairness to him, he's evolved. When he first came in, you know, he was one of them managers that was all high tempo, high press, whatever. By April and May, the team were knackered. By the second or third year of you, the same amount of squad players like Pochettino does now, they lose belief in what you're doing. Because you can only get players to buy into that for so long. Six days a week, double sessions every day, 15 clicks a game, high press, high tempo, blah, blah, blah. You can get two years out of players. I don't think you can get a third or a fourth year out of it because eventually they go, nah. I'm unless, not, I'm you not. Change the, unless you right. change the team. You have to change the team. Yeah. And Pochettino's paying for it right now where he's still got massive amounts of players he's had for three, four years. You have to change And they team. just fed up. Klopp yeah. in Germany nearly got relegated by year three and four with, the, with his club. Yeah. Why? Because he'd battered them with his methods for so long. What he's changed at Liverpool is he's gone away from that style He's with his fullbacks, instead of having both of them up here in the high press, you'll notice one goes, one stays. He's, he, the, the, the tweaks he's made to the formations and with the front three and the lack of press, and, and you'll see in the game the intensity isn't the same, but because defensively they're stronger, they're winning a lot more games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's tweaked it and seen it, and kudos to him, because great managers evolve. And he's upgraded the squad as well. That's upgraded helped massively. Yeah, yeah. So, because I've always moaned at my managers too many days off. 
You know, our players are off on a Sunday and usually on a Wednesday if there's only one game a week. It's like, when do we improve? They're only in two, three hours. But it's like, I'm not a coach, I'm not a manager. I hear about Pochettino doing double sessions and Klopp doing double sessions and everything else. It's like, you watch the Man City all or nothing on Netflix, get in there night and day. You know, they've probably got beds at the place. So I'm like to my gaffer, why aren't we? You know, I spent all this money in a training ground. We've got like a fabulous training ground with all the facilities. Why aren't we there more? It's like, you know, the, the footballers, they work half a day. And an hour of that day, they're in the lunch canteen with my chef making lunch. Yeah. I mean, we've got a chef, you know, all the stuff that we've got. So I don't know what is the perfect science. I, I like you. I love seeing the Bielsa's. I read everyone's books. I like to get into the psyche, the mindset. You've got Harry Redknapp, who's not a tactical genius, but was a man manager, one of the best. I love H. Uh, and, and then you've got the... The Bielsa's of the world are attacking. They just they could bring you statistics and tell you the right winger is going to do this in the game. That's where he is a genius out on his own. You know I mean, what I mean? I think the key with all this is what I've learned is you have to coach the context you're in. Correct. As you can't walk in there with a set way of doing things. Yeah. You have to go in there. We talked before about putting square pegs in round. Correct. Up. You have to go and coach your context. Manager chairman relationship. Sure. You've had. Who I had? 13. No, no, no. Fuck, where'd you get that number from? Yeah. I've had Darren three times. I've had Darren. I had Jim Gannon. Right. I had Mark Cooper, um, I had Gary Johnson, I had Grant McCann, I had Dave Robertson, I had Graham Wesley, I had Steve Evans, Steve Evans. so it's eight, 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 nine. Yeah, so right. 13 or so, you know <laughs> anyway so, so yeah so yeah yeah Darren, I've, I've had Darren, a great Darren Kansas is one then yeah yeah absolutely he does fucking right so so what's so, yeah. so you at so that with that experience all different there, people yeah. what's what's an ideal uh, chairman manager relationship what do you need as a chairman I need honesty I need um, I need you to work your balls off for me I need you to have answers to questions when you're asked them I need you to have a plan B I need you to be the calmer person in the room when results aren't going well I need to be able to sit with you and look at you and think you know reassure me that we're going to win reassure me that we're coming out of this run you know, you know what I don't need to see is fear in your eyes because if I see fear in your eyes, I lose all confidence in you. So I need you, whether you're lying or not, or you're kidding it or whatever else, I need to see you be uh, somebody with a plan, you know, somebody with confidence. You know, Darren, I remember last season, we, we got hammered at, um, we lost to Walsall, 3-0. They were bottom of the table. Walsall hadn't won since the, the old king died. So, you know, even their fans were fucking at me on Twitter. Oh, jeez, go easy on us, go easy on us, blah, 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 blah. You know, they were practically relegated. So there was like, there's no belief in Walsall and these players aren't playing for the, the they put in a caretaker manager. It was Terry O'Connor, uh, Martin O'Connor. So we went to Walsall and we got fucking battered 3-0. I mean, you know, we'd won the previous game, I think it was 4-1, and then went to Walsall and got in Mullard. I mean Mullard, by the worst team in our league apparently, who had no belief left. Yet they showed up and smashed us. So... You suddenly gone from being confident and you're thinking we're going to make the playoffs and now Walsall have just combated us. So I'm speaking to the gaffer. We've got on the Tuesday night after losing the Walsall, we've got Portsmouth away who are third in the league and going for automatic promotion. So you've just, <laughs> so you've just been battered by the worst team in the league and now we've got to go to Portsmouth. And if we don't win on that Tuesday night, if we don't win, Donny go into the playoffs for sure and we mathematically can't catch them on the last day of the season. Because if you if you looked at last game of the season, the season just gone, we were in the playoffs on the final day if Donny lost to Coventry. So we, we went into the final game with our fans, everyone still having a chance to make in the playoffs, you know what I mean? So we went to Portsmouth on that Tuesday night and we beat them 3-2. Now, before the game, the only person in the world who believed we'd win that game was our manager. He ran, We spoke after the Walsall 
tabakal on the Saturday and he blah 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 and we both moaned and bitched and moaned about the players and da 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 then on the Sunday he rang me he said chairman I said yeah he said uh, we'll win on Tuesday I said are you, are you mad and he goes no we'll win on Tuesday I said did you watch what I watched yesterday and he goes don't matter we'll win and I said well Gaffer I'll be hiding behind the couch watching this from Orlando he said don't worry so Tuesday night he rang me 10 minutes before the game sometimes he's bored and he's in the tunnel where he's bound me on women in America he goes alright chairman all good I'm like no it's like 20,000 people in Fratton Park I can see it on my laptop the fucking the atmosphere they're all expecting the more us and you know he's don't worry enjoy it and that was it and, and we're 2-0 up by half time and yeah. at that stage I've turned it off because I can't watch it anymore so I turn it off and I turn back on at full time and it's like 3-2 he was the only person who believed it and probably his players believed it. And he wasn't lying. He believed he was that good a manager. You can't say it if you don't believe it. Correct. But there are managers who will try and kid you. And they'll talk shite. He, one million percent, believed it. And I'll give something else as well. We went up via the playoffs in 2011. We beat Huddersfield 3-0 at Old Trafford. Because Wembley was being built. So the playoff final was at Old Trafford. And I just hired Darren back in the January. And we went in a run, got in the playoffs. And I remember when we got to the, you know, in, in the playoffs, we lost the first leg 3-2 to MK Dons and then beat them 2-0 in the second leg. And then went in the final against Huddersfield, who, who were unbeaten in 52 games. And obviously the press were Huddersfield, 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 Huddersfield. And I remember the day of the game, we stayed in a, a hotel in Manchester. And me and my missus flew over from America. And before the game, the coaches all pulled up outside the hotel and the players got on the coaches and the wives and the girlfriends and the families. And I'm outside having a cigarette. The gaffer comes over to me, he's in the same time, whatever. I say, oh, chairman. Shaking dog, you know what I mean? Like, fucking, you know, we're going to all try. This is 90 minutes. This is our life on the line. We don't win. We're not promoted. We're still in League One. I'm, we need to get to the championship. He's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, what's the matter with you? He goes, we'll win today. Again, like, like unbelievable. Like, we will win. And I'm like, gaffer, you cannot guarantee. He said, I'm guaranteeing you we will win today. This is Old Trafford. This is my home. I'm telling you, we will win. And I said, and he said, we don't want to just win tight, we will win well. And I'm like, they haven't lost for 53 games. He said, they will shit it against us and we will win. And we battered them, we won 3 0. And it was just like, sometimes yeah. you need the yeah. manager yeah. to be the parent, you know, yeah. to, to turn around and go, whoa, calm down. It's not as bad as it, it feels, it's not as bad as it looks. We're going to get a result and we're going to come out of this. If you as a manager can give me that confidence, can give me that, uh, I'm going to love you a bit more. If you're the opposite to that, where you're hiding and you're not ringing and you're not speaking and you're not communicating and you're digging yourself and, and, and in your office. And you've had that. Have you had that? I've had that. Yeah. Where managers stop ringing, stop yeah. talking, you know, and whatever else. And, and, and that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, I've, I've had a mix of different managers. I mean, I'll give you one. Mark Cooper is a phenomenal manager now. I got him too early. We got him when we were in the championship. And he was given an impossible task. We were shit. And he came from Kettering, non-league. And he came to us. And his style of football at Kettering horrendous. 40-yard throws, long ball, the worst football you could see. And we hired him. And it was a bad hire. And me and him never got on. He couldn't take my personality. He couldn't take that. Because he was a young manager. And I remember he he, he took all the players. We I, I said, take them, it was like February, take them off somewhere in the winter. They went to Tenerife for a training camp. But they were on the piss for a week, the players. He lost control of it. But what I give him credit for, a massive respect, and, and we don't talk because he's he slagged me off since, do you know what I mean, or whatever else, which is the worst thing you can do as a manager. Um, he went out to the press and slagged me off and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he wanted this job again recently, but it was one of the reasons I didn't you know, talk to him because of what he'd said about me previously. So he went out and he rebuilt his career. 
he went out and he ended up at the coach somewhere and then he went to Swindon and and what I really respect about Mark Cooper and this is massive respect his style of football completely went 360 I mean completely from horrible long throws direct physical football to playing out from the probably too much over the top playing out from the back at Swindon with young players good philosophy now he's at Kettering the top of league two they will win that league. Done it without spending any money. Mark Cooper has done an unbelievable job and his star is shining bright again. And even though he dug me out after he left, I'm happy to have played a part in his life. Because I guarantee you, that time with me would have toughened him up for the real world. He won't give me that credit. He'll slag me off or do whatever else, but it toughened him up for what was to come. You said, is it damage you? It's only damage you if you let it damage you. Correct. You, you, you define, Correct. You define if you come out after being sacked, and slag everyone else off and take no responsibility. You don't deserve to be a manager. Yeah. Because this is a, a fickle industry. It's a small industry. And I always say to my young managers, I said to Grant McCann, I said to the gaffer, whatever you do when you leave, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Because if you're an asshole, other chairmen will remember. When I go to recruit a manager, let's say I need a manager. Darren's gone off to manage Real Madrid. And I need a manager. And your CV comes in. And I like the look of it. So I'll go, right, what do I do? I look at your CV, I go, yeah, 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 win percentage, okay. Has he done with younger players? Yeah, tick that box. Style of football, I've got all my instat and stat data I watch. I've watched some of your games. Like the style, like the football. Okay, now I need to listen to his interviews. This is really important. Now I need to hear what Anthony sounds like when they lose. Yeah, I want to hear his voice. And I want to see his reaction. And I want to hear from him when he was sacked. Now, if I go on there and I see somebody who looks desperate, if I go on there and I see somebody who's blaming everyone but himself and slagging off Colorado or slagging off the other clubs you're at, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. You're done. You're off my list. So if you're a manager listening to this, whoever wants to take that, trust me, it's the truth because it's not just me who thinks that way. There'll be lots of other chairmen out there thinking that way. How you handle yourself in the media when you get sacked or you have a problem or you have an issue We'll reflect on you later. Talk about the media then. What's your sure. views on the media? Because you're you're quite active in the yep. media. I've been hammered by the media. I've got a good relationship with the media. You know, it's 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 one of them things. You know, it's like some people are frightened by the media. I think as a manager, you have to be good with the media. Some go over the top. Steve Evans, for example, his average interview would be fifteen minutes. He loves the media. Do you know what I mean? So, but that's fair enough. Steve likes to talk, and he what he does cleverly is he get the local media in and he make sure they're close to him, and he can then leak things and talk to them and whatever. Darren is excellent with the media. He's respectful. He does his press conferences every week. Calm and he's calm. He's calm. He's, he's, you know, but he hasn't always been calm. And I remember a few years ago, I got a phone call from the CEO saying, listen, Gaffer, he's, he's fucking, he's, he's, he's in there at war with a BBC guy, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to send you the interview. Tell us what you think. So they sent me the interview. And the guy trying to stoke Darren up. And unfortunately, Darren meant the, the colossal error of he bit. Instead of sometimes you've got to go, I know where you're coming with it. So Darren bit, and the BBC were going to try and put this out. So I said to the CEO, get on to the BBC, um, the local, whatever else. And I said, make sure that doesn't go out and tell them to come back in half an hour. They're going to redo the interview. And Bob was like, oh, the gaffer will never do that. I said, yeah, well, I'm about to ring him. So I rang Darren. I said, uh, have you calmed down a bit? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, have you calmed down? And he goes, oh, they've already told you. I said, I know everything. Darren, listen. I said, stop biting. Stop. Do you want that out there? Do you want people seeing you lose your cool? You're better than that. You're better than him. Bite down, eat the shit, and go and win a football game. It's the best way you can deal with it. I said, and that's my advice to you. If you want me to put that out there, if you want me to let the BBC put that out, and you're not going to redo another one, no problem, I'll go with you on it. 
And then he's like, well, no, you're right. I said, no, 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 let's put it out there. No, 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 you're right. You're make sure it doesn't go out and I'll redo another one. Sometimes you've got to let him calm down, bring him back down to earth and say, look, my advice is do this. I'm not telling you to do this, but that's my advice. You got the other side of this. You also need an assistant who can, oh, who can pull you to one side and to take be, it over. Be truthful. And, and we'll get into that in a second. Darren's had some good ones and not so good ones and whatever else over the years. And, and you're absolutely right. Coaches, assistants are, are massive parts. Tell of you it. the truth. Tell you the truth. Deal with the shit that shouldn't come to you sometimes. You know all of that stuff. Steve last year was having a real problem with BBC, the local BBC Cambridgeshire, because his kids kept reading the social media stuff, and there was a lot of stuff on social media. There was a couple of commentators who weren't as you know, shall we say, didn't find Steve to their, it wasn't their taste. So they kind of let that reflect in their commentary. It was a bit biased. I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't great sometimes, the stuff they were saying, but he bid on that. So what he then wanted to do was refuse to see them. And we have a contract with them. They pay us 50, 60 grand a year to get all our matches, to do interviews. Part of that is the manager has to be available post-match, pre-match, da, da, da. So I said to him, you, you can't do that. You have to do the interview, otherwise you'll be paying for the contract. And then he did an interview after a game where he just, he, it was our internal media team, Posh World, that did it with him, where they all sent it to me because they were like, they, I was in America, they didn't want to put it out. He just, we lost the game and he lost his shit. And some of the stuff he said was just like, no, and I, I killed it. There was no way that was going out. He was just being so a smart arse. So you protected your manager? In this protected him, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Two things, recruiting managers and the interview process. Yep. So you're looking for a manager. Yep. Do you use agents? Do you use analytics? What do you use? So, a bit of a mixture, and I know some clubs are different. Obviously, we'll have 150 CVs. The minute a job comes up, it's, there's only 72. Regardless of what people think about me, the Peterborough job's an attractive job. Do you know what I mean? Because the managers fucking get backed. They always get backed. And you want, as a manager, to be always backed. If you go into a job and it's got zero pound notes for you to go and recruit players, you know, like Saul Campbell at Macclesfield, you're, kind of, you're dealing in the bargain basement, so it's even tougher for you. If you go into a club with a guy like me who spends a million pounds on strikers at League One, you're going, yeah, I'll have some of that. But with that comes pressure. So we'll get CVs, we'll get the old tried and tested, you get the usual suspects, the, you know, the same names all the time. People will ring Barry, but Barry obviously got a lot of contacts in football, so Harry's rang Barry before about, look, get that guy, get that, doing favours for his mates, Kenny Dalglish has done the same. And then you'll, you'll get some left fields once you get kids from fucking football manager who decide they want to be Peter B United manager. But what I'll do is I will sit back and I will look at what comes in but I'll have my own idea as well. What are we looking for? Are we looking for that older Steve Evans type manager who, who's kind of tried and tested promotion winner, but with that comes lots of other things? Am I going down the Darren Ferguson original route? Am I going down the Grant McCann route, younger, hungry? What's gonna work for our club? So what I'll start looking at then is I'll look at League Two, I'll look at non-league, and I'll look who's unemployed, maybe who's had a record for doing those things and do they tick those boxes? So say if you looked in League Two, you would look at Mark Cooper at Forest Green and go, he's obviously one of the best youngish managers in League Two. What's the style of football? They play well, they score goals, they keep clean sheets. How much has he spent to do all that? Fuck all. So he's high on your list, right? So you put him there. You start putting together a top five list. All right? Then what you do then is you do your due diligence. Would they want to speak to me? So say Anthony Hudson's at Scunthorpe and you're top of League Two and Peterborough's in the championship and we're not doing well. I need to find out, would you be interested to speak to us if we do a deal with Scunthorpe to get permission? So you've not approached the manager, but you've now got a shortlist. Yep. You've got six or seven people on your shortlist. Mm -hmm. 
Manager comes in, yep. does an interview. And I now do the interviews in person. Okay. Is you it know? just you? Is it Barry? That, Barry will be there and the CEO will be there. CEO. So manager comes in. Yep. What, what, what are you looking for in a manager in, in, an, in an interview <coughs> like that? What, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for chinks in the armour. I'm looking to challenge them. I'm looking to drop something in that's a bit like left field to see how they react. I want to see how they react in adverse circumstances. So I test them. Um, I curse a lot. Um, I can get aggressive with them. I just want to test them. I want to test their blood pressure. Um, I definitely want a manager to come in with a philosophy idea. I, I, yeah, I've had managers come in and do PDF presentations, and well, that's fine, that's cool, great, no problem, great, show me. How are we going to play? I definitely want this manager coming in knowing my squad. I've had people walk in to interviews and they haven't done any research. They couldn't tell you about Marcus Madison, George Boyd, to fucking nothing. And I'm like, yeah, move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's happened. It's lazy, it's conceited, and it's arrogant. Do you know what I mean? So I expect you or anyone else walks into the room to have done your due diligence on me, the club, what we're about, type of players we like. And, and what I'm going to say to you, Anthony, is, right, Anthony, look, your presentation is great and you play 4-3-1-2. You know, that's the way you want to play. So we've got uh, Coventry on Saturday. Give me the 11 in the 4-3-2-1, or the 4-3-1-2. Who's playing? You've seen my squad. You've analysed my squad. I'm sure you've gone on to the sites, watched all the footage, YouTube, whatever else. Who are the 11 players that are playing on Saturday and why? And, and I want to know. And then I'll say, you know, what are we missing? You know, you've watched our games. I would expect you, with a week's notice or five days' notice, to have stayed up all night and watched at least five or six games. Proper game, not just highlights, proper games. Do research. There's 72 jobs here. I think you can put a bit of work in to get one of them, right? So, what have you seen that we're lacking? There's a window coming up. I'm going to back you. What are we going for? Then you can turn around and go, well, we're going to try and get Roberto Carlos out of retirement or we're going to try and get a left back from Paris Saint-Germain and be unrealistic you might turn around and go look there's two options here chairman you've got the best left back at crew a guy called Pickering I like him but he's probably going to cost you half a million quid crew never sell cheap or if we don't have the money to do that the alternative would be I can get a left back from, from Leicester on loan for five months I know you know the people at Leicester he's on four grand a week we can get him for 900 quid a week he will do a job till the end of the season till we recruit our own left back or possibly we could buy that kid from Leicester if they're ready to do business on him. That's the kind of manager I want to hear. I want to hear a manager with a plan. I want to hear a manager who knows the current market. I want a manager who inspires me. Do you know what I mean? And goes, you know, I, I, Chairman, I want to win football games. How, how, do you t how do you test his character in there? How do you test his mindset? With the questions I've just asked you. Yeah. When they stand there with their mouth wide open and they can't give me the names and they can't react, then I know they're not the person for me. Do you know what I mean? I want to know that, you know, the worst step of their life, the worst moment of their life. I want to know about their family. Are they moving their family for the job? Are they going to be traveling? Are they going to live in a hotel? Are they going to give it everything they've got? Now I want to know about our youth. Talk to me about under-18s football. Some of them will turn around and go, I've got no interest in under-18s football. I just want to win because if you don't win, you're sacked. No, that's wrong. Steve Evans wasn't massive on our under-18s. He didn't ever want to really focus on it. Darren loves our whole youth program. Kieran left Northampton and came back to Peterborough to run our whole youth. And Darren and him are like that. And and do you do you use agents? Do you have a, do you have a few agents that you use? I, I I know a lot of agents. I don't like using agents. I have ones that are friends. I have ones that I, I predominantly we do the recruitment ourselves. The only time we have to deal with agents is when we have to do a deal. When the player comes in, he has an agent. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if a manager is an agent, okay, fine, I'll deal with it. Most of the managers I've dealt with, I've dealt with them direct. Direct. Even Darren's had an agent. It was his brother, and I was like, well, I want to speak to your brother. 
And when he came back the next time, he had an agent, but again, I didn't speak to his agent. I did the deal with Darren in a hotel. So when CVs come in, they're coming direct from a manager? They come from a manager and an agent sometimes. Do yeah. you know what I mean? There's loads of agents will pile in. There's yeah. one massive agent who nonstop was sending me CVs for the monks of the world and you know whatever else. They're doing their job, I get it. You know what I mean? Well, I don't yeah. want to deal with an agent. And, it, and, and if you're coming to Peterborough for a financial payday, you're the wrong guy for me. Because you're in a competition with a lot of people who want those jobs. Some of them will do it for free. You know, have made a few quid from when they played. They'll, they'll come in and they'll go, listen, don't pay me. Let me show you what I can do. And for some people, that's appealing. I wouldn't want that personally. But, you know, that, that again is the way it works. Championship, obviously, when you up, more expensive. So um, there's so many different things. Like how a manager presents himself. Like I'm not a big fan of the tracksuit manager with a baseball cap. You know, I always joke with my gaffer. He'll mix it up. He'll be suit and tie or he'll be tracksuit. But he won't always be tracksuit. I like my manager to look a million dollars. Because I just think it's important. It's it's the, the face of the club. You know, he does his press, his interviews. I want him to look and sound right. Because that is who, that's our identity. You're representing us. That's us as a football club. Weird. Mr. Chairman, the time has flown by. Oh, we so, don't? Listen, I, I really appreciate your no. openness there. Listen, absolutely. Your time, your time and your openness there.